Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From the Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. Armstrong and Getty. And now, here's Armstrong and Getty. There is no reason to engage in a non-reciprocal chase. I don't care how amazing you think that other person is. By chasing somebody that is showing you that they don't want to be with you, you are self-abandoning your wants, needs, and desires to get somebody else to validate you. And instead of trying to get somebody else to give you the love that you are so desperately craving for, start to give that to yourself. That way you can learn to trust yourself, rebuild your self-worth, save yourself from whatever you are trying to get somebody else to save you from. That way, the next time you see somebody that's inconsistent or unavailable, you get turned off versus turned on by the chase. You're frightening me. Her Something about her pace and tone is, is off-putting. That's a thing these days, that your TikTok videos or whatever, they have to be edited like that. So their comments, you're so incredibly fabulous. That's good advice she gave, mostly. I, yeah, I felt like there was some good stuff in there. That was a dating coach, uh, allegedly, about how to handle when people ghost you. Can you play at least the first part of that? She used a term I'd never heard before. There is no reason to engage in a non-reciprocal chase. I don't care how amazing you think that other person is. By chasing okay, that somebody part. that is... Sh- a non-reciprocal chase, which I have engaged in before. Oh, and I've yes. been on the other end. I've been on both ends of the non-reciprocal chase. And it is always a waste of time and painful. Um, yeah. If it's in a song or a movie, it's very romantic and generally successful. In real life, it's more a stalkery, and you'll get a restraining order. Well, even aside from that, I, I'm not aware of times when it has worked out to anybody's benefit. So uh, the, the don't engage in a non-reciprocal chase. If they're not interested or you're not interested, it's just that unfortunate and painful and awful. Trust me, I know, but... Man, you're getting nothing out of that. 
Just tell yourself it's just chemistry. It's a it's mysterious. Don't take it personal. Or tell That's yourself hard to do. Or tell yourself you're deeply flawed, and if only you'd have done this one thing different, everything would have been okay. It's another way to approach it. Yeah. <laughs> if only you had done this one. Th- if you'd only not said this one thing, everything would. If I'd phrased it slightly differently, we'd be together forever. <laughs> but I blew it. <laughs> is that what the song "Losing My Religion" is about? Mm, no, it's not. I've always thought well, that's it's what about, it was about. It's about having a crush on somebody and and being so freaked out when you're around them, you don't know how to act. Okay. So it's similar, kind of similar. Yeah. 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 Oh no, I said too much. Just like, oh no, I, I didn't say enough. I said too much. Ah, oh, damn it. Right, similar. Yeah, so sort of yeah, yeah. No, I see what you're driving at. Sure, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so we got that. I got another. I got a couple of things here, all relationship related. This, uh, are you prepared to be annoyed? Oh boy, set yourself for annoyed. You know, I wake up annoyed most days. So go ahead. I don't know how deep I'll get into this. I might save this for our podcast. I think I'll save this for the one more thing podcast. I'll tell you the headline right now, though. I'm a couples therapist. Something new is happening in relationships. So she's been a couple therapists for years, and she said she's noticed. The ideas behind Black Lives Matter and hashtag MeToo are leading to breakthroughs at home. And it's all about how most couples, even though they're, if they're unhappy or even if they think they're happy, everybody's not recognizing their various privileges or systemic this or that. And it is one of the most annoying things I've ever heard in my life. Would you like to see me vomit? Do you want me to vomit? <laughs> it's... It's hard to take, man. God dang it. So I'm supposed to deconstruct a relationship I'm in based on who has privilege. Like, I'll bet you don't spend near enough. Yeah, yeah, you and Jody, Judy should go to, or not Jody, unless you're seeing someone named Jody. Uh, you and Judy should go to this, <laughs> you and Judy should go to this couples counselor and have her explain to you how you are not at all acknowledging your, uh, Probably patriarchy, mm, probably maleness, yes. ma- maybe whiteness also, even though you're both white. Yes. Um, not acknowledging that at all uh, in the relationship. I, I haven't really, no. See, I knew it. Mm, we're both white, like you said. <laughs> I mean. Okay, well, you're not both male. No, no, I'm a straight fella is why. <laughs> No, we're both. so I should acknowledge, honey. I realize, as the man, I I have privilege that you don't have, and therefore, can I do the dishes tonight? Yeah, you listen to the one more thing today. You'll be amazed at that. Just oh, it is so hard to take. Oh boy, this is actually pretty good. I thought, or see what you think of it. When someone you love is upset, ask them this one question. And the setup was uh, talking to lots of different therapists and going through different things and research. Blah blah blah. They think this is the one question you ask when somebody's really upset so i thought you know i'll bite and i thought it was actually pretty good and i'm going to apply it the next time i need to particularly with my son do you want to be helped heard or hugged oh and they go through a description of each of those scenarios although i think if you're of even reasonable intelligence you can figure out what they are helped heard or hugged wow that is so good holy cow that's good you yeah, know how guys have the reputation of, you know, the wife will just want to tell them about their day, and the guy will say, well, we need to march in I, and tell yeah, Mr. Jones, I, blah, 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 blah. I, I do that. My wife does that. She does that. It's part of the reason we get along so well. She is 
such a dude. She's a cute girl and a dude. She's a unicorn. So you both jump right to the how do we solve this? Uh, I try not to anymore. After after watching Rob, what's his face, is defending the caveman, which was so good. It was so brilliant the way it explains. She's not asking you for a game plan. She is in the parlance of like cave women. She's telling you where her berries are. She's telling her. She's telling you I, I what know she's her, experienced. I know where her berries are. No, no. See, you've turned it sick. You've turned. <laughs> I was trying to be an adult. <laughs> well, I I like it because I feel like uh, it depends on the situation. And even even though the reputation, the book Mars are for, men are from Mars, women are from Venus. From these books, thirty years old. But it was all about that. I, I think. Men and women have it at different degrees, but there are sometimes if I'm really upset about something, somebody jumping in with the solution right away makes me want to punch him in the freaking face. Right. Right. Let me vent for a while. I'm just venting. Let me vent for a while about this really awful freaking thing happened. Later today, maybe later this week, we can get to the how we're going to handle it. But let me be pissed off or hurt or whatever for a while. Yeah. And I think I get to it later than a lot of women do or whatever on when when you want to get around to that. Then do you want to be helped, heard, you just want to be listened, or do you need to be hugged? I never need to be hugged, but some other people need to be hugged sometimes. How charitable of you to allow the rest of us to go ahead and hug. (laughs) (laughs) I actually had a similar one, and I have a little bit of guilt over this, but it's true. I can't help. It's just my emotion. Whenever I hit my head on something, which is way too often, or knee or whatever, my uh, my youngest son immediately says, are you okay? Which is nice, but yeah. it always makes me mad. Because <laughs> yeah. I'm angry. It, well, it's one of those things. Let me be angry at this door for a while that I just hit my head on before we get to the, yes, I'm okay. Boy, I, I can top that. And I, I can explained it to him, and I said, you didn't do anything wrong. You were right to ask that. It's a good thing to ask that of people. I'm just telling you, in the future, if I hit my head, just give me a second before you jump in with the are you okay? Because right. it just right. makes me mad. <laughs> and I felt like an idiot for saying that, but it's true. All right, I can top that. And again, it's the love of my life. I'll whack my head. She'll say, careful, be careful. <laughs> I've already taken a blow to my head. Now I know to be careful. It's too late. But then I found myself doing the same thing, and I thought it's just a natural human response. It's a response of love and concern. It is. Careful. God, my bone is sticking out. Careful of what? Henry took it to heart, though, and I was gentle about it. Yeah. And he took it to heart. So later yesterday, we're driving to the car. I take a drink of water and I do the old, it goes down the wrong pipe thing. And yeah. I mean, I sounded like I was going to die. I went into <laughs> gurgling and couldn't right. breathe, couldn't talk. He didn't say a word. And, uh, and I looked over him. He said, I didn't say anything, but are you okay? <laughs> I said, That's awesome. <laughs> Good man. <laughs> As I was correct. I'm, I'm all, I'm all right. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> I, oh, that's such a bad feeling. I opened up the cupboard where I keep stuff, and I opened it up, and I bent down, and I didn't close the cupboard down. I came up hard and caught it on the corner. Oh, no. Oh, that freaking hurt. Oh, and then your bowling ball rolled off the top shelf. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Michael. So what did your kids do when you fell on the trail nine times? Did they uh, just 
Every time you fail, just leave them alone. That turned into a humor situation after, uh, like, number five or six. <laughs> oh, there he goes again. <laughs> kind of like that, yeah. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. A long podcast yesterday with some uh, AI experts and uh, an educator or two involved on how AI is going to lead to the end of homework and how schools are going to have to readjust the way they teach so many different things, maybe structure the day, the lengths of the day, all kinds of different things. It's really going to disrupt schooling. And uh, man, I didn't hear anything that I thought I don't think is going to happen. Writing papers is pretty much going to go away unless it's an in classroom activity. It just mm-hmm. can't exist in the world of artificial intelligence. It just it can't. There's no point in it. Also, uh, much of mathematics, all, all mathematics homework will go away from home. You could have it in the classroom, but you just you couldn't do it at home. Just be impossible. Show your work. OK, no problem. <laughs> Happy to do it. Um, so uh, with, with some uh, some of the experts thinking that maybe there will a good thing out of this will be more of an emphasis on reading and comprehension, uh, as that is homework you can give people is reading books and just uh, and it's just funny. A whole bunch of the educators on this particular podcast, and I know I'm thankful that a number of the teachers my kids have had also agree, and there have been studies that show this that the homework boom of like the '90s was bad unproductive, oh. waste of time, did more harm than good. And most people believe that now, and AI will just hurry the, the good riddance to a lot of homework that was not necessary anyway. Boy, my kids suffered through that. and That sucks. I, oh, yeah. I, I remember thinking, how in the hell can a fourth grader have this much homework? Ridiculous. It's idiotic. Absolutely ridiculous. It's funny. You know, uh, it seems that every generation goes through uh, some tragedy of uh, redeveloping how to learn that sucks. And your kids did Some that. Some craze like, among educators, in short. Your yeah. kids did that. Uh, my kids are growing up in a world or going to school in a world where fourth and fifth grade teachers say, no, no, we don't do any homework, which I think is awesome. Um, uh, but then you got all the other new stuff that is happening in school, so you got that to go through. It's a different sure. different challenge for different times, I guess. But, Gender-bending crap. and What's the math, the funky math? The, common core math? Yeah, the, yeah common core math. Um, uh, do you see anything to disagree with there, that there's going to have to be a major change in the way they do schoolwork? I mean, I, I think, like, major, like you don't even recognize it. Uh, yeah, in a lot of ways, particularly in college. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I'm sure that's true. Yeah, they went different through different age groups, uh, whether grade school, high school, or college, but it's going to be, and I know, I know they have software that can tell if you're, you know, plagiarizing or whatever, but that AI is going to be completely different than that. There'll be, there'll be no staying ahead of the ability to come up with a fake paper, I don't think, or, or do your math homework and show the work and everything. I think you'll have much more uh, in class. Uh, you know, you uh, give me three pages on this topic. What have you learned? What have you, What do you understand about this? What could actually end up being better? The idea yeah. of an emphasis on reading at home because that's something AI can't do. I love the sound of that. Although the only way you can test if somebody read it is to ask them to regurgitate the the material. 
which I always hated. I despised that so often because you'd be reading, you know, some great piece of literature and I'd be like so super into the, the, the characters and the themes and the human tragedy of it and all. And then the question on the test would be when Jones went to the coffee shop, what did he order? Just to prove that you're right. right. It's like the fact that he freaking ordered coffee cake has nothing to do with the theme, which is man's inhumanity to man, (laughs) not man's inhumanity to coffee cake. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. It was it be that that did happen a lot where it was trivia contest more than a understanding the overall what's what's the point of the book. Right. Yeah. 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 That, that, that you're right. Um. But so just like so many different parts of the world. Once AI gets up and running, man, teachers are going to have to, schools are going to have to completely come up with a new way of teaching kids. So let's all keep our eye on that and have a role in crafting it, I hope. Um, there's a new book out you should know about called White Sight. Oh, Re- boy. Reviewed in the Los Angeles Review of Books. Tim Sandifer says, this sort of thing is treated with respect by the gatekeepers of our culture. As if it says anything profound, true, or rational. In fact, it's garbage. I remember when Matt Taibbi called white fragility horse s, having reviewed it, and he's a liberal. These books yeah. are just most the, the the ones I've mentioned are just crap, divisive crap. But as right. Tim points out here, and racist. But as Tim points out here, the gatekeepers just love them and elevate them to a to a point of taking very very seriously. Uh, do I have time to hit you with a little bit of this one? This new book, White Sight. The General Crisis of Whiteness, a conversation with the author, who I'm not even going to name. When European colonists first arrived in the lands they would steal and plunder, they claimed that these terrains were empty and therefore available for the taking. What must have been required to see nothing or claim to see nothing when faced with such richly populated worlds without whose inhabitants they would have perished? According to visual culture theorist, the author, it requires white sight. In his new book, White Sight, Visual Politics and the Practice of Whiteness, Published by MIT Press, explores how systems of white supremacy see and thus order the world in an unbroken history of colonialism up until the present day. Ah, right. Of course, ignoring, as we always point out, that the Native American peoples that were here and then the peoples before them that we don't really even have a history of all attacked each other and took each other's land all the time, regardless of skin color. Horrific, unthinkable violence for all of human history. Wiping out tribes left and right if you got the upper hand or came up with a better weapon. And we could extend the analysis to Africa if that would please sure. you as well. Same story. I, I tell you what, if you're working on one of these woke DEI books, I'd hurry up. I'd, I'd crank that thing out fast because... Uh, more people getting more chance to see this stuff in action are realizing it's not only stupid, it's incredibly ugly. It's crap. And it makes everything it's worse. It's, it's crap. crap. That's right, it's crap. A great story, University of North Carolina Medical School just disbanded their DEI department and said they will be adopting none of their recommendations. Wow, while Chick-fil-A hires uh, a corporate executive to run a new DEI department. Yeah, part part of it is it's all in the execution. Depends on what you're doing, what you're saying. Uh, you know, I don't want to have a knee jerk freak out to those letters. Although ninety eight percent of the time they spell bad news. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty, the Armstrong and Getty Show. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick 
and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. The Armstrong and Getty Show. A couple of things we could bring you, including this article from the New York Times, Coastal Cities priced out low-wage workers. Now college graduates are leaving too. And it's about the inflow and outflow of college grads, white-collar workers, uh, to various cities and regions. And it is something. They are fleeing the big coastal cities, the blue cities in particular. Um, But we're not going to talk about that, at least not now, because I thought this was even more compelling from the Wall Street Journal. The uh, title of the article is The Disappearing White-Collar Job. A -a once-in-a-generation convergence of technology and pressure to operate more efficiently has corporations saying many lost jobs may never return. So, uh, define white-collar job. I've never said that before. What is a white-collar job? Oh, gosh. Anything where you work in an office? I've heard them described as uh, knowledge workers. Um, You don't... It's a bit of an anachronism. You don't work with your back. You work with your brain. Of course, everybody works with their brain. Um. Uh, it's a bit of an anachronism in that not near as many people wear white shirts anymore. 
It's kind of like saying roll down your windows, which will say forever, even though nobody's rolling anything. Um, uh, but so, uh, yeah, I guess, is it any job indoors? No, because you work in a factory indoors. That's not a white-collar job. You know, uh, this is obviously a time-consuming tangent you've led us on, but it's an interesting <laughs> It's well, an just, interesting question. I think we know them when we see them, right? I think. I've just, I just, it just occurred to me, maybe I'm off track of what a white-collar job is. I'm going to look that up Here it you is. talk. Here it is. Here's the definition. If you really sprained your ankle... Could you do your job the next day? I like that one. That's a good way to describe it. You work with your brain, not your back. I don't know. According to Workable, whatever that is. Oh, they would know. A white <laughs> white collar workers are those who work in an office. The name comes from older times, and office workers usually wear white collared shirts to work. Oh, it was coined by Upton Sinclair. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Huh. Uh, so I'll tell you one thing. Uh, old Andrew Yang was right about how the pace of change in technology and industry, the economy, as supercharged by AI, um, is going to cause such rapid change, workers are not going to be able to adjust quickly enough in a lot of cases, I think. Which is, uh, that's a little frightening. I'll bet a lot of you younger folks are thinking, yeah, great, fabulous. I've learned this skill. You're telling me it might go away. It might. And that's why Andrew Yang was so much about universal basic income. Uh, because you can't ask somebody to go from a computer programmer to a carpenter to an ear, nose, and throat guy, gal, <laughs> whatever, in the space of, you know, 10 years. <laughs> I was a carpenter. Now I'm an ear, nose, and throat guy. Here's my drill. Right. Hold still. <laughs> <laughs> but you hear what I'm saying. I mean... I don't, I just, uh, well, the, it's it's all, the world's always been this way, but it's just the pace is different. Exactly. Yeah. You could, uh, the, 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 um, uh, knowing how to tan hides, turn a hide into leather mm. was probably a useful skill for about 20,000 years. Right. You know, and it's changed very slowly. Now things are going to, you know, you learn how to do something and uh, six months later, nobody needs it. Right. Yeah. And the hot, hot, hot career of two years ago, learn to code, be a computer coder. Right. Might be dead in two years from now. Oh, yeah. No kidding. No kidding. So I'll hit you with just a little bit of this. <clears throat> For generations of Americans, a corporate job was a path to stable prosperity. No more. The jobs lost in a months-long cascade of white-collar layoffs triggered by overhiring and rising interest rates might never return, corporate executives and economists say. Companies are rethinking the value of many white-collar roles in what some experts anticipate will be a permanent shift in labor labor demand that will disrupt the work life of millions of Americans whose jobs will be lost, diminished, or revamped partly through the use of artificial intelligence. Said the former chief digital officer at McDonald's and Volvo, Quote, we may be at the peak for the need for knowledge workers. We just need fewer people to do the same thing. We're at the peak for knowledge workers. Yeah, which means we're uh, passing it. Wow. You won't need people with knowledge anymore. Long That's, I mean, that is as disruptive as anything that's practically happened on planet Earth. Since the Industrial Revolution. And much, much faster. Wow. If I'm running a stable... For horses in an urban environment, 
I see the first car, and I see a few more, and then I see a bunch of cars, and then everybody's got a damn car. That took years and years and years and years. Oh, heck yeah. Yeah. This is going to be, who knows? By next year. Could be. Long after robots became began taking manufacturing jobs, artificial intelligence is now coming for the higher-ups. Accountants, software programmers, human resources specialists, and lawyers, and converging with unyielding pressure on companies to operate more efficiently. Then they give some examples. And you, you ought to throw in, this wouldn't have made any difference I in the long run, I suppose, but it certainly hurried it along. This belief that every job should pay a minimum uh, a living wage, that you deserve, you know, a year maternity leave for the husband and the wife and all these different things. Certainly hurry it along. OK, fine. I'll get a, I'll get a robot to do it. All right. Right. Now, they mentioned uh, Mark Zuckerberg told employees after the Facebook parents' latest round of layoffs that many jobs aren't coming back because new technologies will allow the company to operate more efficiently. IBM, a similar thing. AI would allow employees to better contribute to their companies by doing more meaningful work. You wouldn't have to slog through the, the grunt work nearly as much. But that means, you know, instead of you three people, a third of which of your time is always grunt work, we're going to keep two of you, and good news, you two don't have to do the grunt work anymore. Right, but one of you is going home. Right, exactly. And, and, and like, you glossed over, like people do, the whole... I'm a glosser. The universal income. Well, that would be the biggest shift in American history. Human history? Maybe human history on the planet. If all of a sudden the way life is structured is... You get out of high school, although I don't know if you're not going to have a job. What's the argument for education at that point? Because whenever I talk to my kids, it's always about so you can have a job someday and support yourself. Well, if that's off the table, no, you get an income enough to support yourself. If you're content with that living, right? there will always be the opportunity to excel and, you know, find opportunities. Um, Boy, but- there, there, there's your uh, the most interesting human experiment in world history also. Oh, yeah. How many people are going to want to go above that? So I can not try it all. I can get by. I can play video games. I can surf my phone. Smoke pot. Smoke pot. Watch TV. Watch porn. Have a girlfriend. Have a boyfriend if I decide to do that. But most people don't anymore. Um, And not work. Or I can like really, really, really have to work a lot harder than that to have a little more. Or, or I can live that uh, universal basic, basic income lifestyle and commit the occasional crime to make more money easily. I'm not going to bust my ass to become a whatever is the job of the future. No, but I will break into people's houses and take their stuff. And that decision will not be made by 45-year-olds with life experience. No. Oh, whether or not you want to put that effort in. Yeah. It'll be made by 18-year-olds. And I know what decision I may have made as an 18-year-old. Especially if I don't well, I can play guitar or all the cool things I want to do. Speaking for the men folk, um, it's many, many a man has become a man because he does, doesn't want to let down his woman. And if he ain't got a woman and have no interest in it, yeah, you could become a permanent do nothing slacker. So, you know, this is not, <laughs> I'm just, I'm picturing and, and somebody has to picture this and think about it. How much a thousand dollars? That's what's going to happen. I mean, that is the most likely 
exactly. thing that's going to happen. That's why policymakers have to be thinking about this. But if you have a third of the population living the lifestyle we described, Making enough money to be comfortable, they're probably going to be medicated. A huge percentage of uh, medical care already runs through the government. So we'll have socialized health care just completely. Um, What are their lives going to be like? How will they relate to the productive members of society? How productive will those members of society be given the tax rates we will have to pay to sustain such a program? Yeah, exactly. And then we're France. Oh, yeah. Except worse. Yeah, well, yeah. Not, it'll be a completely different level than what they have going on in France. Yeah. Wow, that is, I think, the likely future. I mean, how does it not end up this way? Year to year, ending in March, there were 150,000 more unemployed white-collar workers. Uh, that includes workers in professional services, management, computer occupations, engineering, and scientists. Chief exec of uh, uh, Kroger, the grocery giant, says, I can't think of any jobs. Kroger Kroger's. Sidewinding. Kroger Kroger's. He said, I can't think of any job where it's like AI by itself. I can think of lots of jobs that are being affected by AI. Uh, Gap said in April, new round of corporate job cuts. Lyft told investors this month that the ride-sharing company had cut the number of management layers from eight to five. Lyft said in April it would eliminate roughly a 1,000 white-collar jobs in its latest round of layoffs. The flattened corporate structure means Lyft can innovate faster. A robot brought me my sushi at the restaurant the other day. Are you making that up or seriously? I did. Really? Yeah. The robot. Robot. Somebody exclaimed, oh, my God. And I turned around, and here comes the robot. It looks like R2-D2 with a flat head with yeah. the sushi on top of it, and it wheeled up next to the table, and I, I thought, well, I guess we take this off the robot's head. I don't know. There wasn't anybody around to tell me. So I took the sushi off the robot's head and set it on the table and went to eat, and the robot left. Did every <laughs> single person over the age of 40 say, domo arigato, Mr. Roboto, <laughs> when they got their sushi? Yeah, there's I nobody certainly at the restaurant so. but me, which is how I like it. But You know, there's more to this. It's pretty interesting. Uh, we need to take a break. But, um, again, I, I don't mean it to be depressing or scary or anything like that, but, again, reality has to be your friend if you're going to live a successful life. Explain to me how this wouldn't happen. I can't even come up with a scenario. Text line is 415-295-KFTC. And no sidewinding, bushwhacking, horn-swoggling, crocker crocker <laughs> is going to roll away Christmas cutter. <laughs> Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. And recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. 
Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James! LeBron James! And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega-hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. We got this mother in Maine who discovered that her daughter was wearing a garment known as a chest binder. It's a chest flattening garment that if you're a girl and you had started developing boobs, but you think you're a boy, so you don't like having boobs, you might get this. Well, where did she get it? She got it from the school. Why did mom not know about it? The school told her daughter to keep it a secret from her mom. And this is happening all around the country, and the Goldwater people are taking this on as a case in that it shouldn't be okay for the school to urge kids to do things like this, gender transitioning devices or drugs or anything like that, and then keeping it from the parents, which is horrifying. Anything at all. Anything. I don't care if it's the spelling bee results. The school should never be telling kids, keep this from your parents. That is completely out of bounds. Every topic. I would agree. We got uh, this note from JT in Livermore. Can we all agree that grown-ups telling children to lie or hide things from their parents is the biggest of red flags? If you could pick just one characteristic of people who shouldn't be allowed to be around children, wouldn't it be grown-ups who tell the children to lie to their parents about what said grown-ups are pushing? And he points out it isn't just one weirdo hanging out on a street corner. It's a public school recommending these sickos to children in need, uh, discussing a story we brought you earlier in the week. Uh, there are laws being considered right now in California and Oregon that would enshrine in law the practice of the school will only tell the parents if the child says to go ahead about serious psychological and physical problems, including getting an abortion. Your kid, I'm sorry, your school, the activist teachers can get your kid a secret abortion and the law says they don't need to tell you. And we're talking about a child. 
So, in particular, this case uh, from uh, New Jersey, did I say it was? Anyway, a school counselor advised this woman's daughter to change her gender, told the child not to tell her parents about it, and then provided her with the chest-binding garment. A school counselor told this woman's daughter to change Mm -hmm. her gender. Oh, my God. And don't tell your parents about it. Oh, the level of fury I would have. These sickos are everywhere, too. If it were only a couple of cases, that would be, you know, sickening and troubling. But the fact that it's so widespread, these radical gender theory, critical queer theory, critical gender theory people are everywhere. And they're they're grooming your children or sexualizing them or trying to turn them into radicals, turn them against their their families. It's crazy. Right. So that is absolutely all true and horrifying, just that particular thing. Then the just in general idea of let's just keep this between us relationship that schools, some schools are trying to get with the kids about the curriculum, what you're learning or anything else. Yeah. uh, Troubling. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of coverage of that, even in the liberal media saying, uh, and it was interesting in the New York Times, the angle was a lot of black families are realizing what their kids are being taught and not taught and getting really pissed off. Mm. The number of black families that are homeschooling has, I can't, I don't have the numbers in front of me. It's exploded based on what they observed during remote schooling. White families, too, they've increased significantly. I think half again as many or something like that, but black families like quadruple. The number well the most religious group in america i think is is uh, uh african-american women and they're probably not digging a lot of the stuff that's being taught in schools yeah yeah exactly hispanic families to have zero patience with this stuff too uh here's a related story detransitioning teenagers suing permanente medical group and kaiser foundation hospitals the medical providers who performed a double mas- mastectomy on her when she was just 13 years old that's After beginning just, to identify as transgender as a little child. That is crazy. I have a 13-year-old, so I'm very aware of how young that is. Oh, my She's God. She's now 18 years old, and Jane is accusing the hospital system, quote, of intentional fraud and concealment during involving her gender transition, alleging that doctors pushed her into the procedure and characterized her gender transition as the only way to treat her pre-existing mental health problems. Quote, I don't think I should have been allowed to change my sex before I was legal, legally able to have sex. I don't think I'm better off for the experience, the experience. And I think transitioning just completely added fuel to the fire of my pre-existing conditions. She said she previously struggled with mental health, including su- suicidal ideation, before deciding her problem was I'm the wrong sex. Like so many. And, and this is this is the thing. You have troubled adolescents. In emotional turmoil, under huge social pressure, desperately searching for an answer why they're so unhappy. And you get these activist adults who whisk them along the conveyor belt of gender transition. And a 13-year-old is subjected to either these powerful chemicals that are used to castrate sex offenders or surgically deformed, disfigured in a way that can never be fixed again. As children, at age 13. That's something. 
Her attorney alleged Jane's caregivers failed to administer the necessary mental health treatments before performing the double mastectomy and never informed her that 80 to 90% of teens eager to transition desist from doing so. They don't do it. They wait and think. Yeah. Informed consent was missing here, said her lawyer. It's impossible for a child to give informed consent, and it's impossible for parents who are not fully informed and with that uh, child that was not properly treated also to give that consent. And, and you know, the, the really sickening part of this, and, the, well, there are a lot of different uh, sickening parts of this, is, is that it's being done in the commission of advancing an ideology, and so many people have been sold on the idea of not wanting to be homophobic or transphobic because I'm a good person, that they wither in the face of these bizarre arguments and, and, and completely transparently unwise practices of doing this to kids. It's just terrible. Anyway, I hope she succeeds in her lawsuit. I'm strong and gifted. The reality is, is, this is fabulous. I thank you. That's enough of that. This is all crazy. This is the way it is. Yep. But damn it, we weren't allowed to ask about the big guy. This is the United States of America, for God's sake. Let's not play games with this. Armstrong and Getty. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers.